Content warning. This series will discuss topics that may bring up painful experiences for you. Please take the time to surround yourself with good medicines. If need be, pause the playback and go for a walk, stretch, have a glass of water, and come back to the show when you feel comfortable. Welcome to the Métis Speaker Series, presented by TELUS. I'm your host, Darian Kovacs. On this podcast series, we will be exploring learning, healing, and rebuilding within the Métis community. Our goal is to create awareness of and generate discussion about Métis issues, as well as how to heal from and move forward in a healthy way. We hope to reduce Métis invisibility in BC through the personal stories from our Métis community members. This show is brought to you by Métis Nation BC, TELUS, and Jelly Marketing. You want to give your full name, any camera, just for the editor's sake? Joy Bremner. I'm the leader of the Mid-Island Métis Nation. Mid-Island, okay. That's the name of our local charter okay. community, and there are six other charter communities on the island. Oh, six? Six of them. Yeah, there's wow. seven in total, so. Tell me about your role in the Métis community here in BC. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. Um, within the Mid-Island Métis Nation, we, we now have like over 1,700 um, members registered with our community. Wow. MNBC has almost 900 citizens registered. And so half of those citizens don't belong to our community. And yet, as we've been very active in getting funding, when we have services available, they're announced everyone comes that's Métis to our door then, right? So uh, we get stretched fairly thin at times. One of the things that's happened with COVID and, you know, um, individuals that are, are very impacted by that whole intergenerational trauma and actually have, are more vulnerable citizens and those living on the street and that sort of, they felt more comfortable coming to us now that we're simply offering a lot of services and which generally we had not had a lot of money for that in the past. And because we are as active as we are, many of our funders actually have been forwarding opportunity for extra funds. And so that's, as we're still, I'm a full-time volunteer and there are other volunteers within our office and we have a couple of part-time staff. Mm -hmm. It's really taxing for us. But at the same time, I've always, you know, my whole tenure there as the leader, it's our office has to be safe. When individuals phone or come to the door, it's like, no, we don't turn any of our citizens away. Yeah. Even our, our youth representative in, our, in the office will take the phone call and do the conversation, yeah. at least the initial conversation. Yeah. There's a lot of trauma right now, a lot of trauma because of the pandemic yeah. and all of this residential school stuff yeah. rising to the surface. So, you know, we check in constantly. I'm in the office every day, and there's always at least one other staff person part-time yeah. in there. And we check in regularly because it's very stressing for us. And yet we would not turn our backs on those that may be in need. And even if it's just to have a conversation with someone, you know, and I think the triggers very often are, you know, certainly the residential school, uh, discovery of the graves and all of that as well as all of this reconciliation and Orange Shirt Day yeah. and all of that kind of, there are so many things going on that are triggering. And that's from our past, of course. And many of us, 
I've been very good at, at really putting those things on the shelf. And they're dropping off the shelf regularly these days. And, you know, it's sort of like it's become harder and harder for our citizens. But at the same time, I look at it, if we're not actually bringing them into the open, we're not dealing with them. And at some point in our lives, they will come out. And we will, you know, have to deal with them. Very often, you know, that whole thing of people apologize oh so sincerely and deeply. I'm sorry I'm crying. Crying is a part of letting it out and sharing it. And so that also is very, very important. Because unless we're actually looking at the truth of this and letting it out, because much of it's been buried for generations in some families, you know, and so unless we let it out, we can never reconcile. So that's one of the priorities as we go mm. forward. And, 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 you know, myself, I do find there are days that are incredibly draining. And then, for instance, another day, you know, an individual comes in and, well, last week we actually managed to put gas in her car for her and give her a food bag with fresh fruits and vegetables in it. And she got a job. And, you know, that just... Our hearts just feel so wonderful that we had, even if small, we were able to assist in some way. And I know for many of the chartered communities, having someone in the office is not easy yeah. because if you're not applying for a lot of funds, extra funds that, you know, aren't coming from MNBC, which we have done over the years, yeah. you know, MNBC, even during COVID was probably uh, not even 25% of our funds for supports. To our community. So that tells you, you know, but that's because I'm retired and I'm able to volunteer full time. Yeah. And I actually have the skills and ability to do that and get those grants and yeah. do that. You know, so it, it's it's can be so challenging. Yeah. And there are so many times when it's just an absolute drain. You know, and myself, uh, I have to say I went to Batosh this year, which was so uplifting. And, and you know, kind of settled that burnout that myself uh, was experienced at the time. But again, the burnout happens right away because there is so much need in our community. And, you know, fortunately, you know, MNBC, even in attempting to do the variety of workshops and things they do, that's a a bit of a way forward. But at the same time for MNBC, you know, they're just opening doors and there are so many more doors to be opened. I feel for them. Yeah. It is not an easy role to be taking on, as well as within community. We're just face-to-face yeah. with community members. So it's quite different for us than it is for MNBC. They're, they're you know, in an office someplace else. And so they're not seeing those individually mm-hmm. face-to-face. But yeah, as we go forward, I think there's nothing we can do except continue to attempt to do what we can for those that are in that state of stress yeah. and suffering. Mm. You know, as hard as it is now with the price of food and housing, all of those things, now we have this other thing, reconciliation on top of that. So I think that's what, an important for everyone to realize that's where we are. You know, we just keep piling more and more on top of those that are vulnerable and a lot that aren't vulnerable yeah. are feeling the stress of it all. Mm. And for your role, you, you really have a good finger on the pulse of what's yeah. going on day in and day out. And then do you kind of bring that back to the MNBC office, kind of let them know what the needs of the community are, and at the same time you go and find other yeah. support systems? 
you know, and we, we watch closely to try and see, you know, even to get in touch with someone at MNBC and they are expanding. And I know even the office that, that's in Nanaimo itself then, which covers the whole island. They have workers in various departments of MNBC and just getting to know them and understanding how they can assist us and our membership. But it's more than anything, it's assisting us so we can share with them and let them know where our community, yeah. where our members are. Yeah. One of the things that's interesting, I keep saying community. And a few weeks ago, it's like, wait a minute, what's the Michif word for that? And there is not one. Hmm. There is not one. No word for community. So that's a colonial term. And because it was starting to feel, it was not a good feeling around that mm -hmm. term. It's like, like what, is, what does that mean to us? And so... We're looking, I was talking to an elder that's present at this event this weekend, and it's like, hmm, yeah, there is no word for community. Yeah. And so we're quite determined, I think, to lean towards the Mitchell word for family. And of course, I'm saying that and I can't remember it right now. <laughs> but again, you know, that, that a different direction. Yeah. And again, because we are Métis, um, we, have, we are mixed blood, of course. Yeah. And that European piece of us, so many of us are really... That colonial piece has been really a hardship for many of us, most of us in reality. You know, and then we have all of those new families coming forward, you know, for whatever reason, they've all of a sudden discovered the paperwork and the pieces about the fact they are Métis, which then for them explains so much in their life that they could never really put a finger on. Why, why is that happening? Why does that happen? Why do I love fiddle music so much? Yeah, I know. You know, it's, yeah. And panic, hmm. <laughs> you know, so there are those pieces. And, yeah. and within our own office as well, we've continuously always really relied on, on our culture yeah. in terms of providing some sense of stability for our membership, right? And just, you know, bringing that. And so myself, I do leather work, beading, mm. quill, uh, moose hair tuck. I do all of those mm. things, right? And, and sharing and bringing in others as well. Mm -hmm. And really encouraging our, our members within our own organization that have skills and may yeah. not have done it for quite some time. Oh, come out and share at a workshop. Yeah. Come out and do that, right? And we're also very interactive with a number of the communities on the island. We partner with the Couch and Valley Métis yeah. Nation many times within uh, actually writing for funds and sharing them between nice. us. And th this year we've written one and, and it's between Port Alberni, Couch and Valley and Mid-Island. You know, and doing that, and, and that shares not only the cultural pieces, the healing pieces, but also it shares the work, which at the bottom line becomes very important yeah. as we don't have a lot of staffing money. Yeah. Many hands make for light yeah. work. Yeah. So that's the hope. That's the hope. <laughs> that's hope. Yes. So, trends that you're seeing with residential school survivors mm -hmm. and, and kind of within your family. Yes. Mid-Island, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? What are the trends that are kind of bubbling up? And a lot of it is, you know, just even, uh, for instance, we had uh, the youth lead uh, Every Child Matters eating workshop. And that youth was comfortable enough to talk about it because within that family, the trauma has diminished dramatically. Mm -hmm. The efforts in, of healing have taken place over yeah. several generations. Okay. And that individual, that youth was able to speak around that. And those in, in the class then, you know, were okay. And some commentary coming out of it. That's also part of the healing. Mm -hmm. And 
not necessarily able to share a whole lot at that, but feeling very, it's almost like doors are opening. Because if a youth can start to talk about that with adults and youth, then, okay, you know, I might have to think about it, but I may be able to share it next time. And so that is a part of the healing. And yeah, so those small steps, I think, will lead to more that can be very positive for many. And those that are Métis that are listening right now, what's your encouragement about getting connected to a chartered community? And, and, and what does that mean? Besides just, you know, we can get the cards in the mail, yes. the beautiful citizenship cards, but showing up to a chartered community, yeah. gathering, meeting, potluck, what, what does that mean? And I know I'm, one of the things about MNBC, they are centered in the lower mainland. Yeah. And so really for them, it's so costly to come out and do all these various works cultural workshops, even healing workshops, all of that sort of thing. That's not an easy thing to do across the province. When you look at coming to every chartered community Mm. when there's seven on the island, that's a lot, you know, because it's not like you do that an hour here, an hour there, and that is getting in touch. And your communities, if they're being supported and and able to develop the the skills to to actually reach out and get further funding, Mm. you know, if MNBC can provide that kind of support, enable smaller communities they may not have anyone that's actually able to do that Mm -hmm. but if they can get some of that skill to do that and develop that ability to attract further funds because in every community or city or town Mm -hmm. there are other agencies right now that are quite willing to oh maybe we could assist in some Mm -hmm. way for instance like we get a fair bit of free space Mm -hmm to do our workshops mm. and you know that's because you know it's not necessarily one of the things we get a lot of money for when we're applying for those mm-hmm. grants right and yeah just putting a little time in if you're able for attending just to be sharing it and you, i think that whole thing of becoming safe mm. with those that are showing up and, and those that are speaking and we bring in guests from around the province when we're able to and and from the lower mainland and up and down the island and that's important, too, to learn that the Métis, we're not a tiny group of individuals. Yeah. We're a fairly large group, fairly large. And, and, you know, and myself, I'm from northern Saskatchewan. And many of us are not from B.C. or for our, our, my, you know, my community from the island. But at the same time, even here today, I think I ran into two new cousins. <laughs> you know, so that's the piece of that. Once you start getting together and looking at it because when we look at our history, yeah. there were not a lot of us. And so that's not surprising that we find cousins everywhere we go. Yeah. You know, a relative of one sort or another. Yeah. So very exciting on some levels, yeah. but it also provides a level of comfort and support yeah. as we go forward because we become more aware we're not alone. Yeah. You know, that feeling of you're, you're out there standing by yourself. Mm-hmm. And the regular population quite often has no idea who the Métis are. And that's a challenging piece then, right? So as you face that and you're trying to determine yourself, who am I as a Métis person? And then when everyone around you says, you're what? And you can't fully explain it yourself. And it takes a while to understand and become comfortable so you can speak to that. Yeah. And some may say I've become way too comfortable, might speak more than I should. But, you know, at the same time, it's important. I, you know, I think 
supporting those people that come to the door yeah. is a priority for us yeah. out of our office. Mm. You mentioned Cowichan Valley, Cowichan yes. area. They're famous for their sweaters. Oh, and that's their First Nations there, yes. So. You know, yeah, and I know the Cowichan Valley Métis Nation is very, um, they have a whole lot of, they, let's see, they have a monster teepee, which is fantastic to be able to have them come if they're able to, you know, and, and their community has gone towards having those cultural pieces. And so they've got a Voyager canoe, a full-size Red River cart. They have Harry, who is a taxidermied bison head. And so well, we share our bison hide and Harry shows up. So, you know, that kind of cross-cultural sharing. And, and I, even then, you know, this in August, there was the rendezvous, mm-hmm. Vancouver Island rendezvous. Yeah. And so a lot of that stuff, we all contributed. Each of okay. our communities had a table yeah. and we brought different things. The Mid-Island Métis Nation Youth Beating Group brought their beating and, and they're raising money. And Mid-Island, we're supporting them by supplying the, the beads and all of that kind of thing that they need. And then the donations they get in return for their beaded products, they are keeping towards youth programming, which is fantastic. And youth are invited from, you know, other communities as well, not just our own. And, and so that's fantastic, you know, going yeah. forward. Yeah. Amazing. Huh. Have you, um, have you hosted a capote making jacket making? We have a couple of times actually over the years. Yeah, for sure. You ever traded a capote jacket for a Cowichan sweater? No. No. Be a good trade. That's not a bad trade. (laughs) There's something, when you're in the Nanaimo area, in the the mid-island area, do you see people wearing their capote jackets around, kind of identifying as being Uh, Macy? On special occasions. I think uh, Vancouver Island University won a a few years now because of COVID. They have a, participate in the Ladysmith Light Up festival right where the whole city lights up mm-hmm. for christmas and so myself and another elder stella johnson rode in the back of a, a convertible with our coats on nice and it was pouring rain yeah. <laughs> so you know it, that kind of thing and an activity is is something we certainly get involved we bring our culture to all of mm-hmm. the public events that we can awesome. you know yeah and those are very enjoyable if you connected with our office then You'll always be asked if you want to participate in some way. You know, we did, uh, I think, a summer parade one year, and we must have had 50 Métis there in ribbon shirts and capotes, and and we had a huge float with a tiny teepee on it and elders sitting on it. And so, yeah, that exposure within our city Mm -hmm. has really advanced knowledge of that we're there. I think that's why we have so many that have registered with our office. That's great. because they're aware we're there, right? So. And that's an important piece because otherwise we became, we, we are, and at times, and very often are simply the hidden nation. Many are not aware of it, that we mm. even exist. So, especially out here yeah. on the prairies, it's a little different. Yeah. But yeah, NBC, uh, uh, people can be very unaware. Yeah. I think what, you know, what could help people realizing they can put liners in their capote jackets because the wool could be too itchy for them. Oh, that's true too, yes. Maybe yeah. sporting them more often. But they're very warm for the island. Very warm, <laughs> yes. Needed. Although a couching sweater is made of wool, same material, the same wool-like thing, material. Yeah, that's true I do too. find them too itchy though. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, that's a good point. Yeah. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. I know we had made Hudson Bay 
uh, blanket material mitts. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so we lined those because otherwise oh. you couldn't wear them. They're too oh. itchy, right? So, yeah. yeah. And it's always exciting. And different people come forward. Their knowledge is quite different about yeah. the culture yeah. then, if they've been aware of it through their family. Yeah. And that's exciting, you know. The whole food thing is quite important. And yeah. there's a lot of conversation around that constantly. And, and the my, perfect bannock recipe. Oh, I know. I know. And my, one of my favorites to make is porcupine balls. Yeah. Nice. You know. And so, and everyone go, looks at me, there are no porcupines right. on Vancouver Island. So they're like, what? <laughs> and of course, that's bison meat with wild rice yeah. in it. So that's the wild it. rice sticks out as though it's a porcupine. But yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. Now, Give one more encouragement. I just want, for those that are maybe on the fence or, or mm. who have yet to join a chartered community, what do you want to say to them? I think the value in, in coming forward and, and being able to see what exists within your community. And then very often then what comes of that is what can you give to the community? Mm-hmm. And that whole thing rounds it all out in as our communities, again, or families are growing and our sense of who we are grows and the reality of how many of us are here and every single community likely will have the same eyes open Mm -hmm. when that happens and i know right now with mnbc they're doing a huge push so a lot of what's happening we we require the same legitimacy of your lineage as mnbc does and so Whenever that someone has come to our office, we encourage membership in our office, yeah. but MNBC at the same time. Yeah. And so then it's like, oh, okay. And generally, if we struggle a little bit with it, MNBC has a broader database. So they're able to find something that we likely could not approach or, or see anywhere, right? And so that assists us as well, yeah. as well as we're always encouraging everyone to sign up with MNBC as so uh, that's a part of how the charter communities contribute to the growing number yeah. that are recognized. Okay. And another plug just in terms of the MNBC card, before COVID and all of the changes, I used to fly back and forth to the States and use that card. I fly across Canada and use yeah. it for ID for everything. Mm-hmm. And that's important because it, it used to be they would look at it um, and they'd be looking at both sides of the card and asking other staff people, is this, mm-hmm. yes, and it's legitimate. Yeah. It is an official Canadian ID. So and now there's a hologram on the new ones. Yes, I know. Yeah. Very so, exciting. Yeah, very fancy. <laughs> yeah, I know. So I'm not getting questioned about it as often. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and, you know, and I feel for those that do question us because they're just not sure yeah. and unaware. And so uh, never hostile regarding their question of, you know, Exactly what is this, right? Yeah. And so that also is our our responsibility as Métis to share with others mm-hmm. who we are. Yeah. I mean, that just eases our burden going forward. Joy, is there anything else you want to share with listeners, viewers today? I think I've said quite enough at this point it's in wonderful. time. I'm glad, you know, it took a all afternoon for you to track me down. <laughs> it's been great. It's a real pleasure. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today on the show. Thank you for having me. Can I say hi to my family? Yeah. Hi. Brooklyn, Jess, Kelty, Rocky, my brother, and my family out in Saskatchewan. Hello. I'll see you soon. This has been the Métis Speaker Series podcast presented by TELUS. 
and I'm Darian Kovacs. Thanks to Métis Nation BC and TELUS for making this possible, with funding provided by the Civil Forfeiture Office's Indigenous Healing Stream. You can listen to all of our episodes, learn more about the podcast, and sign up to the Métis Nation of BC newsletter to stay up to date on Métis News at MétisPodcastSeries.ca. You can find out more about the music we're playing by Love Life by visiting SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash lovelifeofficial, L-U-V-L-Y-F official, and link in the show notes for your convenience. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast listening device. See you again soon. Mina Kawapa Mitten. Thank you, Marcy, for listening. Thank you.